Hi, I'm Dr. Melina Jampolis, and welcome to my podcast, Practically Healthy by Dr. Melina, where I take the science and tell you what you should do, will do, and can do when it comes to food, fitness, and everything in between to help you become the best version of yourself. This week, my guest is Meredith O'Brien, who is a licensed clinical social worker, a certified intuitive eating counselor, and a certified Carolyn Costin Institute Eating Disorder Coach, and an author with the book coming out this summer, which is very exciting. So Meredith, welcome to Practically Healthy. I'm so excited to have you here. I think this is a critically important topic, and um, I'm really looking forward to hearing what you have to say and sharing words of wisdom with my audience. Thank you. It's so nice to be here, and I'm really happy to be here and to talk to you today. Wonderful. So so give us a little bit of background about how you came into this. What brought you to intuitive eating? I think your your history is re- very important for people to understand so they can understand what aspect you're coming from. Absolutely. So I had a long journey. Um, I was diagnosed with anorexia at age 13. And I had a long battle with anorexia. Um, at the age of 35, I actually went into a partial hospitalization program to recover. Um, That was my first step. And then after I left treatment, I had years and years um, to get to full recovery. And that's where I am today. So in the beginning, I had to go through weight stabilization um, and weight stability and going through meal plans and things like that. But when I was further in my journey, I was introduced to intuitive eating um, by Evelyn Chiboli and Dr. Resch, and um, it really changed my life in terms of creating a really peaceful, healthy uh, relationship with food. Yeah, it's it's so interesting to me because um, normally when I think of intuitive eating and the people that find it, it's more dealing with overweight and obesity. I haven't heard it used in the context of, of anorexia as much, but I, I think it's fascinating. And I think it really, um, you know, it, it's very interesting. I think people assume that people who are underweight don't struggle and have the same, you know, um, issues with food. So I I think, um, you know, I appreciate you bringing that side of it. And what I really hope we can do throughout the next, you know, half hour or so is, is to apply this to both ends. And maybe it has, and and actually make it not about weight. Because I think that I from reading through some of your, you know, principles, I think, you know, that's lesson number one. So whoever you are listening out in the virtual world, you know, I think that this podcast is probably worth listening to because I feel like on some level, we all have some baggage when it comes to food, whether it's self-imposed or externally imposed. So let, let's jump right in because what piqued me about your, piqued my interest is is you have 10 principles that you really talk about when it comes to uh, intuitive eating. So let's jump right in. Reject the diet mentality. So tell us a little bit more about your thoughts on that. And then I'm going to tell you mine too. <laughs> sure. I mean, I drank the Kool-Aid. I always tell people when I was young, um, I, you know, went on diets, uh, specifically with my father, 
I was really into health and fitness. However, with my type A personality, took it a little too far and was excessively exercising. And really what the rejecting diet mentality means is to get off the diet bandwagon because diets don't work. And the billion dollar industry is going to tell us that they do. And then we feel full of shame when we can't keep it up and it's not sustainable. So it's really, really important to be able to reject the diet mentality, which usually focuses on external rules. And it's really about switching it into internal cues, listening to your body, listening to your cravings, uh, and having a peaceful, calm relationship with your, with your body uh, and the food you put in it. Yeah, you know, I I think it what how I approach it is it's not that diets don't work. It's that people don't understand what a diet actually is. It's what you eat every day. It's not this restrictive, this is good, this is bad. It's the the actual definition is what we choose to eat on a daily basis to to nourish our bodies. So and and you know, it's I'm going to push back a little bit because I've been doing weight management for, you know, 22 years. And I mean, all diets work for some people some of the time. It's when you really tap into the lifestyle and the reasons for eating and everything that you talk about. That changes what you eat on a daily basis, which is your diet. And, And so whatever your goals are, whether it's to gain weight, lose weight, uh, try to calm diabetes or heart disease or decrease your risk of cancer, you know, it all starts with your attitude towards food. And so I think that's the, what you're talking about as diet is being restrictive. And I think if we rephrase it as being how we nourish our bodies and what we choose to eat every single day, like that's where it, and I love what you talk about, you know, with the the self-compassion and with the the shame. And I say this all the time. I, I have patients who come in and sometimes I feel like I'm a, a priest running a confessional. You know, it's like, <laughs> bless me, Father, for I had sinned. I went to the drive-thru last week. It's like, Absolutely. wait, whoa, hold on. You know, and yeah. this is not a moral issue. This does not reflect on you directly. Yeah. So thank you so much for bringing that up because I truly believe one of part of full recovery for me was to take morality out of food and recognize that food is neutral. Uh, and I wasn't good or bad based on the tr- the food I was putting in my body. And that was huge for me to make st- strides and reach full recovery and to recognize that what I eat is not based on who I am inside. Yeah. And I think it's really important for, for mothers to listen to too, because, you know, I, and I, I have to work very hard with my kids to catch myself, you know, with, and I, I don't restrict them, but, and I, I take the pot, like strawberries are nature's candy, you know, mm-hmm. yes, you can have candy too, but uh, as, you know, balancing things out and, and teaching kids not to have this kind of toxic relationship with food. I think it starts, it's interesting that you say that you dieted with your father. Um, you know, I saw my father, who's a doctor, dieting in not a healthy way. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it, it, it kind of shaped my desire to figure out the right way to eat well for whatever my goals were, whether it's sports, whether it's weight loss, weight gain, brain fog avoidance, whatever it is. So, okay, principle number two then, and this is something that, you know, I think both ends of the spectrum, both over and underweight, and even, 
you know, it, it's something that I, I, I work on personally is, is honoring your hunger. Mm-hmm. And I just, I think in this 24 seven food news cycle, you can get anything you want anytime. There's so many cues to eat. I mean, you walk by, it, it, it's it's very hard. So talk about what you mean honoring your hunger. Sure. Well, I had a lot of work to do here because in the beginning of my recovery, I didn't have any internal cues because I listened to my eating disorder self, which told me to restrict and deprive. So it took me many years to reach the place where I was able to connect again into my body and to internally connect in terms of what I call is a sense of attunement. In terms of, you know, am I hungry? How do I feel hungry? You know, for some people, it might be a grumbling stomach. For some people, it might be a a headache. For for some people, it might be irritability. To be able to honor your hunger and sit down to eat um, and make sure that you are eating foods that are sustainable for you throughout the day. Mm -hmm. So I think also what happens is that we have a lot of attunement disruptors that get in the way. To think about work, right? You know, seeing clients all day. And they're like, oh, yeah, I'll do it later. I'll do it later. Absolutely not. For me and my recovery, it's really pivotal for me to honor my hunger, notice the cues, and sit down and figure out a meal or, or snack to have. Yeah, de- we definitely have a lot of distractions. And that's, I have to admit, that's a tough one for, for me as a busy mom. And, and you know, where it's mindless eating. Uh, and, and that's, I think, a real issue. And there's a lot of research showing that. And then on the flip side, I think number five, feed your, feel your fullness really ties in. I think those are both part of the same spectrum. And I think this is where a lot of people really get off track. And, and yes. when I was younger, I struggled with my weight a lot more. You know, um, 20 years ago, I was 35 pounds heavier and really understanding my fullness was something that I think was key to me. And, and, and also my pleasure, like, you know, taking the, the, yeah. Oh, is that another one? I'm sorry. I was like, we're we're going to merge them all together. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Discovering the pleasure principle is the the fun one, right? It's about being able to get off or get away from the diet mentality and really enjoy food. I mean, when you're a kid, like to really enjoy it and find pleasure. And that is really what brings a lot of people to intuitive eating because it's so different from some of, again, some of the diets out there that kind of have some extreme or or deprivation to it. I think with, go. No, I was going to say, it's so interesting too with children because up until a certain age, they are so in tune with their hunger cues. They immediately push. It's amazing with my seven-year-old. He can be eating the most delicious thing ever, like a triple hot fudge, whatever it is, with sprinkles and gummies and... He'll eat like three bites and then push it away and be like, which kind of annoys me since I just paid $14 for the frozen yogurt with every topping. But, you know, he absolutely pushes it away and he's like, no, I'm full. I'm like, you don't want another bite? Okay. Yep. Nope. We're good. I'll I'll take, and then I take a bite. But I think all of those, I think those three things, the hunger, the fullness and the pleasure kind of are all, you know, tied into the experience of eating and that 
everybody's so out of touch with. Well, that's what it is. It's out of touch. I mean, my mom wrote in my baby book that I was her little garbage pail. I loved food. I And I had so much pleasure, but was able to eat when I was hungry and stuff when I was full. And then I think I entered the society into this world where the diet mentality was kind of shoved down my throat. And I got, I just stopped listening to myself and I started listening to external cues. So it's really about building that achievement back to yourself. Um, you know, in the book, The Intuitive Eating, they do talk about a hunger and fullness scale. Right. So to really be able to be mindful at each meal and each snack and really start to start to listen, it's practice. You have to take practice to get back to it because so many things are so external um, and we want to bring it back inside. One of the things that I do also for mm-hmm. patients and also for myself, and this is why, you know, the podcast is called Practically Healthy. So I like to build the practical side of this too, because I think- Sometimes it can be exhausting. And I've talked about this before on the podcast. We make so many food and drink decisions every single day. Having to tune in at every single occasion to these cues and hunger and fullness can be exhausting. So I like the idea of combining the intuitive eating with building an environment that's more conducive to success and being in tune with your eating, paying attention. I mean, like my husband, I'm sorry if you're listening, but, uh, you know, he, he doesn't listen to most of my podcasts, but, you know, he is somebody who, if we're at a party and he's happy and he's having a drink, he nine times out of 10 will park himself in front of the cheese tray. And it, and then, you know, I say, I, I he, he says, well, okay, I'm not supposed to eat cheese now. What can I eat? I said, it's not that you're not supposed to eat cheese. It's just when you're parked in front of the cheese tray and you have the constant visual cue and you're having a lovely conversation with somebody, you're mm-hmm. making it much harder for yourself to be in touch with those cues and with that intuitive eating. Maybe you could have just had five pieces of cheese or seven, but not 15. I don't know what it is, but I think mm-hmm. environment and intuitive eating go very closely together. And even just the fact that our portion sizes are ginormous in this day and age, it, it, you know, anything that I can do to help people kind of with anything, I think to make it a little bit easier. When I work with my clients, I mean, we wanted we wanted to try and set up a very calm ambiance, you know, so we want to get out the candles and the soft music and the nice dishes. Like we really want to have an experience. You know, we don't want to be going through the drive through just grabbing something. And I understand that's life, right? It's from time to time we need to do that, but to set up a very um, experience where we can be mindful. And I think, as you said before, in terms of the um, all these distractions, I think for me personally, that I use my eating disorder to not feel my feelings. And so for me to recover, it's feeling my feelings and then being able to say, okay, now I have to feel my hunger and my fullness and all my feelings and treat myself with kindness and not cope cope with my feelings with food, but cope with kindness. And I think that was really, really helpful because there's so many people who do do have the mindless eating Um, and it's due to emotions at some time. Yeah, and and, you know, people so often self-medicate with food. Yeah. And and I think that, you know, some of the things that you talk about, I mean, um, you know, in, in terms of, of building these habits, you know, I think so much of it is is really about self-care and 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 mm-hmm. self-love. And that sounds 
a little corny and maybe easier said than done, but, you know, and, and I certainly think society and Instagram filters and everything don't help with all of this because we're constantly bombarded by an unrealistic ideal of, of what we should be doing, how we should be eating, how we should be exercising. And, and it can be, it's, it's hard to be positive about yourself and, and your habits, your lifestyle. I mean, you know, it's, there's a lot of guilt and shame in in so much, so much of it. So I I would say that's my, the number one, you know, emotion that my clients talk about and something I dealt with many, many years in my life. And I really came to be able to come like full circle into a place to say, okay, I'm rejecting the diet mentality. I'm rejecting this unattainable beauty ideal. And I'm going to be kind to myself. Like what a freaking, I can't believe that I'm going to be kind to myself. And that's really what I hear in intuitive eating. That's why I love doing it because it's something that treats my body with respect and kindness. However, what's so I love principle three, making peace with food was critical for me because I gave myself unconditional permission to eat all food, which is the opposite of having an eating disorder. Right. And so as I got through treat, you know, through treatment, and then I practiced doing that, I was able to not deprive myself or say, Oh, I can't have that. I only can have that or that's not good. Or that's all foods fit. And the sense of deprivation just fell off. And I felt like I started to habituate to foods and then it didn't have power over me anymore. Because if I want a cookie, I eat a cookie. Right. Pizza, I hate pizza. Of course, it's about all foods fit. And I think that is just so hard from our society because usually those messages don't say that. Right. They say the opposite. They say you have to follow this to a T. Yeah. And one of the things that challenges that that I, I really kind of just grimace when I'm on social media, even though it's a necessarily evil, is what number four, when you say challenge the food police. And there are so many doctors and healthcare providers that are like, we can't eat gluten, you can't eat dairy, you can't eat sugar, you can't eat soy, you can't eat caffeine, alcohol, rice. So, you know, it's like, it's exhausting, this list. And, and it really like, and you feel like, and and not only from a weight standpoint, but from a health standpoint, they make you think you're going to have Alzheimer's or cancer or heart, you know, and, and I think it's really damaging. It's really villainized yeah. food on another level, you know, and, and the average person doesn't know how to navigate this. Absolutely. I spend so much time with my clients, you know, especially around the holidays or when they're going to see their family, like, okay, how do we, how do we, how do you advocate for yourself with some of these comments that are come your way? Because it's going to come from everywhere, as well as to stand up for yourself and then be able to recognize that, like I say, like I heard this expression once, MYOB, mind your own body. Like I got me. I got me. You do you. Right. <laughs> and, and I will focus on, on what works for me. And people think they're helping, but they're they're not. I mean, they're they're just they're making it worse, and then it it just it makes the relationship. Then it then there's there's shame and hiding, and it's like this vicious cycle because it becomes so emotional. You know, when I mean, you know, that people don't you don't want to necessarily eat in front of those people, or you yes. want to seem more virtuous, and it just it uh, it's a it's a really vicious cycle. I think one of the things that I've done with patients and, and with some success, this doesn't, as you know, I'm sure is, is really having them think of their body like an athlete, you know, where it food is fuel. And, and, you know, that's, 
instead of it being, this is fattening, this is not, this is good for me, this is bad, you know, it, it's, it's fuel. And it's, and it, and it is also a, a source of pleasure. I mean, we're, you know, we're going, I'm not like, I had to do an interview once for CNN during at the beginning of the pandemic about comfort food. And, you know, some people were like, well, I just want to eat whatever the hell I want. And, and that's fine, as long as you do it mindfully. And, and I think, you know, that's the difference. Like, I really do eat whatever I want, whenever I want. Um, but I'm very, I, I was telling a patient this this morning, too, like, you know, because she she was struggling with good food and bad food. And I said, I changed the conversation. I said, what foods do you really love? Like, not what foods you binge on, not what triggers. What do you really love? And it it took her a beat, right? You know, so because, because it's like, you don't want to admit, I'm like, so I started it. I'm like, I really love fresh baked soft chocolate chip cookies and sweet potato fries. So if there's sweet potato fries in front of me, I'm going to grab a handful, no matter what. If there's a fresh baked chocolate chip cookie and Jessica's listening, laughing because she makes mm-hmm. the best, my uh, my social media person. Um, if there's a good, I'm going to take a bite. If it's delicious, I'm probably going to have a few more bites. And if it's not, I'm not going to have any more. I, I, so, That's you know. the key. I think the key is finding pleasure. However, I think when you give yourself permission to eat all foods, you eat a variety of foods and you're more mindful of how it feels in your body and how it feels with your energy. Right. So I, the other day, grabbed, I went up to the coffee shop and they had a new type of scone and I was so excited. And I got home and I put it in my bread basket. And then two days later, I forgot I was there. And I was like, because I guess I didn't want it. It's okay. I can always get, get another one. I can go up when I have this craving to fill it, but to be more mindful about how our body feels. And I think with, in terms of some of the, you know, principles of intuitive eating, we gentle nutrition is you know usually the 10th principle it's at the back but to also try to create you know meals that have a mixture of protein fat and carbohydrates so it's sustainable so you're not always thinking about food and, and that's what we're trying to get away from to be mindful at your meals and then be able to use your brain space into all these wonderful other things except for focusing on what you're going to eat when you're going to eat what you're you know all of these questions so you have a peaceful more peaceful relationship with food yeah, it's so funny. That's what I was going to ask you, how you talk about food. And you just explained it, but I, I think let's expand on it because I, I do think this isn't, you know, you're not saying no holds barred, like eat whatever you want, whenever you want, and, and it'll be great and you'll feel perfect because you won't. And there's definitely foods. So I, I love that you're bringing in the, you know, kind of the nutrition principles. What I tell people is I can help you feel physically hungry. Mm-hmm. less hungry, sorry, by having, you know, me, but like doing exactly what you said, building protein, lean protein, high fiber foods, a little bit of healthy fat for satiety to feel fuller longer, I can get you there. And then that's going to give you the tools or the energy to focus on the brain part of it, which is really what you're talking about, and the emotional part of it. So, but there are some foundations. I think one of the notes that I made while I was reading through your stuff is, you know, I definitely think eating less highly processed food 
can help people manage hunger and appetite better and improve their health, you know? So I think that's a key. But what else? How else? So we, where does the nutrition come in? Do you, how do you approach, like, what would be how somebody would start who they, they want to kind of start thinking more about intuitive eating? How, what does that look like? Well, first of all, I'd probably tell them to go get the intuitivity book, uh, which is really helpful. And my book that's coming out in July um, has a few chapters on how I incorporated intuitive eating into my full recovery from my eating disorder. Uh, in terms of food, I truly believe for me in my journey, all foods fit. If I get up and want a piece of pizza, I'm going to have it. However, <laughs> I'm not going to want pizza every day, you know, for multiple days. I get, you get sick of it. It doesn't taste that good after a few bites. And so it's about not depriving. What they talk about intuitive eating is something called habituation. So, so many people are like, well, I can't eat that, that, or that. I'm like, okay, well, go, go get a brownie and have it as many times as you want. And what happens, they come back and say, I'm really sick of the brownie. <laughs> I don't want another brownie. Maybe in a few weeks, I'll have a craving for a brownie. But it's really about all foods fit. The gentle nutrition is really about attuning to your body in terms of how does my body feel when I eat these foods? So I know for myself, you know, if I have a bagel, I'll have a blood sugar crash. If I have a bagel with avocado and eggs, I will be sustained to lunch. So it's really about learning what types of foods feel good in your body, give you the energy, the satiety and the satisfaction and pleasure. Yeah, no, I, I love that feeling and, and that sentiment and I think it is it is really important and I like I like that you call it gentle nutrition it it mm -hmm. it is but they all they all kind of fit in together and and it is you know with with allowing yourself to there's certainly several principles at work where if you eat something over and over you get more you know sensory specific satiety so you get kind of tired of it or you don't want more you know so that's another thing too I think when people are first maybe getting in tune of this is too many choices and too many different flavors and textures simultaneously can overwhelm your ability to be in touch with your hunger and fullness. And so many of my patients have no idea what it's like to feel full or hungry because they don't let themselves get there. Absolutely. And that's really why we start with that. You know, we really start with we need to reject the diet mentality and then really start to attune, go back into our bodies um, and to be able to because the, the diet and society and what they're telling us so many things are external. Don't eat that. Eat that. Eat it this time. Don't eat. Don't before exercise. Eat after exercise. There's so many and people are like, ah, you know, so it's about going back into yourself. This is a personal journey. And to be able to treat your body with compassion and kindness and listen to your body. Our bodies are communicators. They tell us what we want. And so we really need to kind of like drown out the noise, practice mindfulness, come into the moment and the present and be able to use some of these wonderful principles that intuitive eating allows us to do. Yeah. And I think, I, I think that's great. And I, you know, one of the things I can't remember which point you brought it up in, but I see this all the time is, you know, when you deprive yourself so much and so many foods are off limits and, and you're hungry and you want this, you're craving this, but you know you shouldn't have it because it's bad. And you end up, I see this all the time with patients, they end up eating around their cravings and they have like five Never times as much food of stuff that they're not even enjoying to try to, I'm like, 
just have the Snickers bar in the first place, you know, like you just had a thousand other calories that you didn't even enjoy. And not that, you know, I want them to fix it on calories, but certainly enjoying what they're eating, like just have what you really wanted. That's really the way to handle it. A client texted me the other day and she's like, I don't know, I'm just not in between these foods. Should I have what I'm craving or should I have this? And I was, and I, my simple text was, have what you're craving. She's like, it sounds so simple when you say it. I'm like, but it is because you're listening to yourself. You're craving that for a reason. And so I think that is something that I share with a lot of my clients. Yeah. What are, mm-hmm. what are some other, we only have a few minutes left, but sure. what are some of the other like key things that you find yourself <laughs> saying over and over to clients? Over and over is food is not good or bad. Food is not moral. I think that is one of the things I share with pretty much all of my clients because my clients come in and they say, I feel bad. I feel guilty. I have so much shame and I hear their shame. It's their story. And I really listen to them and validate that. Um, But it's about being able to step back and say, wait a second, you're not good or bad based on your food choices. And it opens up the world. People are like, oh, I was taught by the society that that's what we're supposed to think. And I was like, no, let's shift, let's reframe. And it gives them a sense of freedom. And just that sense of like shame coming off their their shoulders, which is just so heavy because they've been carrying around for so long. It's hard, though. I'm sure it's a constant battle for you to um, because people it's so deeply ingrained this good and bad notion and how you're I mean, especially for women, how our weight validates our self worth in the morning. I mean, it's and in the boardroom, you walk in, there's just so many factors that that but I think it it's for our mental health, we have to move towards this. Every single person needs to, on some level, move towards this. And, you know. And I think when I talk about full recovery, you know, full recovery for me from an eating disorder was finding purpose and meaning that did not have anything to do with my body weight or shape. I mean, for me, it was being the best I can be. It's me full circle helping those with eating disorders. It's me being able to be mindful and go to the beach and sit by the ocean and, and, you see the birds and things like that. But there was so much more I was recovering to because we focus so much on what we're recovering from. And right. so it's really important to have that vision out there. And I was like, my life cannot just be this small little circle of calories and weight and scales. I'm like, it just can't be. And it took over 25 years, but I was able to reach there with a lot of support, a lot of hard work, um, you know, a lot of motivation and hope. Yeah, and I forgot from your bio, so you have four nephews and a golden doodle. So I have two golden doodles, oh so I'm a gosh, big fan yes. of uh, – they're so fun. They're, it's the best breed. So, so literally, uh, it's, she is the best breed ever. Her name is Maverick after Top Gun, and yeah. she has brought so much laughter and joy into my life. And my four nephews, I call them my guardian angels, they, they were able to show me what really love is all about. I love that. I know that for that's it's it's so wonderful. Pets are amazing. They're part of, you know, the uh, for me, it's part of my self care every day is laying on the floor and rubbing their bellies and like oh, just getting that interaction. Um, sure. My kids don't love when I rub their bellies. Much, no, I'm just kidding. Well, Meredith, this has been an absolute pleasure. So tell us again, when does your book come out? What is the title? Where can we learn more about you? Absolutely. So my memoir is called Opening the Door, My Journey Through Anorexia to Full Recovery. It's being published by Kohler Books uh, at the end of July of this year. I'm really excited, really excited about it. 
Um, it's going to be sold wherever books are sold, uh, Barnes and Nobles, uh, in e-format, and of course on Amazon. And if anyone wants to go to my website, it's recoveryfromanorexia.com. And if we do slash books, you can go right to my book page and we'll tell you all a little bit about a little sneak peek about my book. So hopefully everyone will go to it and check it out and be able to buy my book when it comes out. Wonderful. Well, thank you again, Meredith. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. I really think there is such value in what you do and what you have to say. And I, and I think that everybody can benefit from this. So we appreciate your time and expertise. Absolutely. It was a pleasure to be here. Uh, thank you so much for having me and have a beautiful day. You too. Thank you. Okay. You've been listening to Practically Healthy by Dr. Melina. I welcome your comments, any suggestions for guests. I hope to bring you more wonderful interviews like this every week, but I need to hear from you. So message me on Instagram, any way you can get a hold of me, track me down, because I do this for you. I learn a little bit too, but I mainly do it for you. So have a wonderful day.